What is up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Hard Hitting Sports Podcast, episode 27. I can't think of anything sports related 27 other than a perfect game 27 up, 27 down. Yankees World Series wins. Oh, you're like that girl the other night who was yelling at those 10 year olds, chirping them. Okay. Well, we're know how the podcast is going to start out today. My name is Jack Bradley. I'm one of your co-hosts on the left of my Zoom screen. Is I don't know if he's going to be my rival tonight because there's definitely going to be some uh, animosity about that Red Sox Yankee series. Jordan Lowby. Uh, Jordan, how you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Feeling great. Semi-pro football, first game of the year with a 41 nothing shutout against Woo! the Marshfield Hurricanes. Big dub there. Off this week, we got another game next week uh, in Taunton, so that should be a really good game. Other than that, and my elbow screaming for the past three days, I've been doing great. Um, kind of shitty that we got swept by big old Sweet. Boston there, but Sweet. you know, th- there might have been a bad call in that game or two, but it's or baseball. Hey. The um- umpires suck and they're terrible in every single way, except for one dude whose name I can't remember because you don't remember the names of the good umps. Facts. I was going to say the Red Sox, I think, maybe became the first team ever to sweep a three-game series in back-to-back days because they swept mm-hmm. the Yankees, and then they had a makeup game against the Marlins yesterday uh, and ended up winning that game. Uh, it was a makeup game for Memorial Day weekend. So I don't know if they're I – I didn't look it up after, but they swept two three-game series in less than 24 hours. So I'm very happy right now about that. Um, <laughs> That's a cool stat. I was going to say, two – uh, before we get into anything, I wanted to kick it off. So we were talking on Sunday. I didn't quite catch that uh, Atlanta-Philly game. But speaking of Red Sox, I saw a uh, minor league baseball game, Polar Park, Woo Sox, first ever game I went to there. Um, and you, su- you see something that you don't always see in major league base or minor league baseball, uh, a benches clearing brawl. That sounds electric. Benches clearing brawl. Guys weren't throwing punches, but basically, long story short, uh, and speaking of umpires sucking, it's the same thing in AAA because these umpires were not very consistent. Uh, Woo Sox were in the midst of a really bad inning. I think they gave up, pitcher gave up a homer, two-run homer. They were down 12-5. to five. Next batter gets plunked on the first pitch. Um, I should say Woo Sox are playing the uh, Rochester Red Wings minor league affiliate of the Washington Nationals. So guy gets plunked, and him and the pitcher start chirping at each other back and forth. Pitcher. Uh, you know, they start going back at it. And then the guy starts to kind of go towards the mound. Bench is clear. No punches are thrown, but there's a few like shoves, you know, things given. And pitcher and batter both get ejected and warnings are given to both teams. This took like 10 minutes to, to figure out. Next guy comes in Austin Bryce, who was with the Red Sox this year, who earlier in the year with the Red Sox plunked three guys in the ninth inning of a game that they were up like six runs and they almost blew. Comes in, hits the first batter. <laughs> hits the first batter does not get tossed now we all know austin bryce like i'm sitting there like i'm like five rows behind the dugout and i you know i'm not chirping it's my league game but i literally goes he sucks he didn't mean to do it like it's not his fault plunks him doesn't get tossed manager goes out he's pissed everyone's pissed we're right behind the rochester bench they're all livid um inning goes on they get out of it next inning first guy for the woo Sox gets plunked, pitcher gets tossed, manager just comes bolting out, pissed. And I don't blame him because the pop, the Woo Sox, I keep saying Paw Sox, Woo Sox guy should have been tossed, absolutely pissed, gets tossed immediately, spent like four minutes arguing. And I will give the Woo Sox credit because they started playing Let It Go from Frozen right after that. 
Um, <laughs> so I'll give the Wu Sox credit there. They were getting absolutely murdered. Um, but it was, it was an interesting time over in Worcester. Uh, nice stadium. If you have the chance, it's not too far from where you live, Jordan. So um, check it out. 25 bucks for sitting right behind the dugout, right behind the net. So you don't have to worry about too much. Decent food options. So. It's a good time. That's great. Yeah, my girlfriend's sister, because she's one of the managers at Table Talk, they get access to the suite that they have there. And we oh, went shit. there two weeks ago in the oh, suite, yeah. and it was unreal. Great That's game. It, it great was a good atmosphere. time. It's a good time. I know there's not much to do in Worcester, but um, yeah, shout out. It's a really nice stadium. I was going to say, for uh, for a minor league stadium, I like it a lot. Like I said, there's a lot of different food options. They had Coney Island hot dogs, barbecue. Uh, the pizza looked decent. Lots of different beers, more beers than I'm pretty sure there are mm-hmm. at Fenway Park. So um, yeah, I would check it out if you're ever in the area, if you're ever in Worcester. If you just don't want to pay an arm and a leg to go to a Red Sox-Yankees game, head up on to Worcester. Yeah, it's a good gig out there. Also, go to uh, shout out to our friend Abdallah. Go to Fatima's Cafe. Um, get some samosas for after the game and bring them home to your family. That's a great call. Love you, Dollar. Awesome. Well, uh, back, I guess we'll kick it off as we always do at this time of the year in the NBA. Uh, we're into the second round officially now after Sunday. Uh, mm-hmm. Really great atmosphere. I- I'm excited for all these series. I think I saw something in the Western Conference. None of these teams have won an NBA Finals before. The yep. Jazz made the most recent Finals appearance out of the West of the four teams remaining in 98, Suns in 91, and the Nuggets and Clippers have never made it to a Finals and then in the East, I think the Sixers had the most recent championship in 83, 83, 83, 83. 83. And then I think the Bucks in the seventies at some point, and then the Nets, uh, and then Hawks, I think in the sixties at one point too. So we're going to get a champion that we haven't seen since 83 or a new and champion that we've three never decades. seen. Yeah. The, whoever comes out of the West is basically going to have a chance to win their first title. So, which will be the Suns, but beyond yes. the fact of that, let's kick it off in the West, Jordan. Who do you got as your hitter of the week? I got to go with the Denver Nuggets, man. They they really locked down and they honed in. And that game five looked scary for them. Dame was doing what Dame does, just lighting up threes in Dame time, hitting crazy post-spin, mid-range jumpers. Like, he, you, he's unstoppable. And you could see after every shot that went in, the defense just flipped their arms up. Like, we, we can't do anything about this. He is one of the best pure shooters, if not the best in the NBA right now from any point in the court. So... But, yeah, man, I got to go with the Nuggets. They stunned the Trailblazers because I think a lot of people thought the Trailblazers were going to go in and make that a competitive series, which they did. But a six-game exit, no one was thinking. Um, beat them in game five, double OT, like I was talking about. And then got to talk about league MVP, Nikola Jokic. Yeah. We As soon as the finalists were announced, we're like, this guy is winning MVP. There's no way he doesn't. That was just announced a little over an hour ago. Um, and by the time you're listening to this, we'll probably be 12 hours, 24 hours, whatever the case may be. Three years, you know. Yeah, who knows? You know, a decade from now. Um, maybe they'll go on five championship wins in a row. Who knows? Nuggets, next best dynasty. Um, game five, not great from the field. 14 of 31, uh, three for nine from the three-point line, but did get 38 points, nine assists, 11 rebounds, and four blocks. Absolutely monster game five. Game six, much more efficient, 13 for 22 from the field, two of four from three, got 36 points, a 70.5 true shooting percentage, and a 63.6% effective field goal rate. And then on the series, uh, just about 53% from the field, about 43% from three, averaged 33 points a game, four and a half assists, and 10 and a half rebounds, and get this, negative 10 
plus minus rate when he was on the court, which is crazy to think about. Brother, this guy's the MVP. (laughs) Negative 10 while on the court, and they still went in convincingly, even though it's a 4-2 series and one more game goes another way, they convincingly won it, especially in game six. Like, it it was not even close. The closest game they had was that double OT, naturally. But, like, other than that, the Nuggets pretty much handed uh, handed L's to the Blazers left and right. Next guy on the list, Monte Morris did incredible off the bench throughout the series. And you know he's a bench player. He gets a ton of time. Uh, 7 of 18 from the field in game 5, 4 of 9 from 3, 10 for 11 at the charity stripe, which is huge, 28 points, 5 assists, and that was in 41 minutes off the bench in that double OT game. Game 6, pretty solid, 8 of 16 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3, 22 points, 9 assists, a plus 19 plus-minus ratio, and his assist percentage – 40.5%. That's an incredible number. That means whenever he's on the court, he's dishing out the rock as much as he can. That means almost half the time he was on the court, he was getting an assist. That's really solid there. And then on the series, about 44% from the field, 42% from the three-point line, uh, 15.3 points per game, and just about six assists per game. He did solid in the series coming off the bench. And then Michael Porter Jr., real young guy. We've talked about him before. He's been really solid ever since coming back from his injury. Game 5, 10 of 13 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3. 26 points, 12 rebounds, 2 steals, and a 90.8 true shooting percentage. That is just ridiculous. Game 6, pretty standard game, 10 of 19 from the field, 6 of 12 from 3, and 26 points. And then on the series, 54% from the field, 41.5% from 3, 18.8 points a game. So he really showed up in games five and six to give him those wins. 6.7 rebounds per game, a 66.6% true shooting percentage, and a 64.4 effective field goal rate. So real solid there. Some other solid performances. Aaron Gordon, 14 points and 10 rebounds in game five. Uh, Jermichael Green, seven rebounds and 166 offensive rating in game five as well. And then on the series, Austin Rivers played very solid. 11.5 points per game, 67.3 true shooting percentage, 64.1 effective field goal percentage, and 132 offensive rating on the series. Very solid for Austin Rivers. Whenever he was on the court, they were lighting up the scoreboard. So real solid all around by the Nuggets offensively. Defensively, you want to see more. Jokic, obviously one of the better defenders in the league, but, you know, that's going to be key for them moving forward against the Suns. Yeah, and I want to do a test of that on your defense because um, obviously we saw it last night in the Suns game. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, in game six, I mean, you think about Dame Lillard, 55 points in game five, the two buzzer beater, not buzzer beater threes, but, um, you know, the buzzer beater or almost beating the buzzer, you know, with under 10 seconds. Yeah. But in game six, Dame Lillard was one of six from the field in the fourth quarter. McCollum was, I believe, one of four. Covington, I don't McCollum even think, attempted a shot. McCollum had a terrible series. I mean, he had one clutch shot, I think, in that game. Um, I'm sorry. My videos keep playing in the back of my background, and it's really annoying. It's hard to talk when there's a YouTube video playing in the background. Oh, I hear but, you. It's the worst. Um, but, yeah, no, McCollum, I mean, had a terrible series. I think he had one three in the in game five that like, kind of made it close, and then Dame set up Dame to hit that tying three. But he wasn't great. I mean, he was awful in that series. 
I think he was nine of 21 in game six and seven of 22 in game five, two of nine from three in game six. Dame Lillard was only three of 11 or two of nine from three. Dame Lillard was three of 11 from three in game six and O of three in the fourth quarter. So we all talk about Dame time. I mean, he did what he could for that team and especially in game five, but um, you think Dame's leaving? I he's loyal, but I can't see him in anything other than a trailblazers uniform, but given their history and like the teams they have set up, how good he is. And they've never really put a big weapon around him, no. like someone else near his level. I just, I don't see it. They haven't made a move. They let Aldridge go. I know he hasn't been great with, I mean, he got released by the Spurs and now he's retired. Carmelo, I mean, he's a great player, great all-time player. But he's a bench guy. He's a bench guy. He's going to score. He's a scorer off the bench. So that's what they got him to do. I mean, McCollum was a homegrown guy as well. I don't know. If if Dame Lillard wanted out of Portland, I wouldn't blame the guy. I'll, I'll say that much. Um, maybe yeah. look good in a Celtics uniform, Brad Stevens. But, hey, who knows? Um, anything else you want to talk about on that series before I get into my hitter of the first round? No, I, it was a pretty straightforward series for the yeah. most part. Like the only exciting game was that game five. Yeah. A lot like, of blowouts. Lo- yeah. A lot of blowouts in the series. That's yeah. why like, that's why I said they won convincingly. Yeah. Like trailblazers made a tight game five and then they did really well in the two other wins they got. But like, other than that, it was nuggets yeah. the whole way for the most of the time. I'm pretty sure they led like game six was close until yeah, game end. six, game six was close. I think I saw a stat. They let like the Nuggets led games seventy three percent of the time. Like wow. they had a very solid lead for most of the series. Yeah, even in well, because even in Game Five they had the lead. They blew it twice, but they had the yeah. lead at two different times. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Well, unfortunate the Blazers couldn't move on. But hey, uh, speaking of the first round, my hitter of the week. I mean, how can you not go with Kawhi Leonard? Yeah. What he's done. Great choice. For the Clippers. I mean, it's it's playoff Kawhi time. I think I saw a poll on Instagram from one of the uh in, one of the podcasts we follow. Who's more clutch, Kawhi or Dane? I don't really know. That's a tough one. I mean, postseason, you gotta go Kawhi. You can't yeah, not go 100%. Kawhi. Um he's, regu- made, he's made some of the best shots over the past three playoffs. Yeah. And I mean, regular season, you could go Dame. I think just given the nature of he doesn't have much around him, I'd I'd say Dame, but playoff time, mm-hmm. it's Kawhi's time, man. I mean, the Clippers were down three two in the series. First ever series in NBA history, too, where the uh road team won the first six games. It almost was the first seven. Luca Luca had a great game seven. I think he had forty six points. Oh, I thought he had 30. Oh, 46 sounds right. 46. I, I think he was he one shy of, of tying the game seven record. Um, and I will say down the stretch, the, the Clippers were kind of just giving him layups because they didn't want to foul or anything. But going back to Kawhi, I mean, game six, 45 points, tied his career playoff high, 18 of 25 from the field, which is good enough for 72%, five of nine from three, six rebounds, three assists just had a huge fourth quarter. No one could stop him. They had Luca on him. They had Brunson on him. Nobody was stopping him. Game seven had a pretty solid and efficient game as well. 28 points, 10 of 15 from the field, 10 rebounds, nine assists. So one assist shy of a game seven triple double and became the fourth player in NBA history with 200 points and 60% shooting in a series. Mm. Overall, He's carrying them. The momentum I think is with the Clippers. You saw that on my Instagram or on our, our Instagram post that I think, you know, the Clippers have a chance to beat the Jazz, and I think if they do, it all starts with this man right here, Kawhi Leonard. Paul George had some great games. They didn't really shoot well. I mean, in Game 7 and Game 6 combined, 
He only shot 36% from the field, did have 20 points in both those games, had 10 assists in game seven. So was able to dish the rock well there was a factor on the rebounding aspect in game six with 13 rebounds. And then you talked about it with the Nuggets depth. I mean, Reggie Jackson, game six, huge game, 25 points, nine rebounds. And then Marcus Morris, what a game seven he had. Because that game was really, third quarter was really back and forth. I mean, at one point, I think the Mavericks were up five. The Clippers went up five. It was like really back and forth in the third quarter. So uh, Morris was seven of nine from three. So he really shown up. He was a former Celtic. I know he had some really big games here. Um, when least expected. So guys like Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, Rajon Rondo coming off the bench are going to be huge in this Jazz series for them. I agree. I think the Clippers are going to give them a run for their money. I just think with the talent that they have, how deep they are. But obviously I'm going to go with my um, – who was I going to say? Suns. Sorry about that. Well, Suns. Suns are playing the Nuggets. Are they playing – Sorry. Look at my mind. You're going with the jazz. jazz. Yes. Jazz. He's saying my sons. They're my sons. I know they're your sons, but they're my (laughs) sons in relation and association. Okay. I'll give you that much. But yeah. And I mean, Paul George is just going to have to step up. Playoff P is what they call him. That's the nickname that they gave him, I think, last year. And he just hasn't shown up. So um, he's going to have to show up in the series because if he doesn't, who knows if he's out of LA or not? Who knows? Yeah, who um, knows? Let's see what else. Well, we had Sunday before that game. We had the first game of the Eastern Conference playoff series between Atlanta and Philly. You got any takeaways from that game? I just Embiid played great. He did yeah. such a good job, especially given his injury. But like, other than that, like we just got to play better as a team, man. Like there's there's nothing that this team cannot do with how deep they are, the type of players we have. Just I don't know, man. I, I, at this point, like, I guess just shoot better from the three-point line because they didn't shoot great from that area. But other than that, like, they played fine. They just got to be more aggressive and just not hold the ball as long as they did. Yeah. I was going to say the free throws killed you guys too. 24 of 35 isn't going to cut yeah. it. I didn't do the math yeah. on that, but I believe that's around 60% in the 60s somewhere in there. Simmons was only 3 of 10. I know he's not the best free throw shooter, but yeah. you got to take advantage of that. If you're getting to the line 10 times a game. And I mean, Trey Young did have a great game per usual, yeah, 35 did. points, 10 assists. Uh, Collins and Bogdanovich both had 21 points. And the Hawks, I don't know if you saw the stat after the game, but it's the most threes that they've ever made in the Hawks, you know, 60 year, 70 year history. Uh, most threes they ever made in a playoff game with 20. So I wouldn't be worried if I was a 76ers fan or a 76ers player because it literally took them the most threes in a playoff game to beat you and they shot 47 of them it wasn't even like they were shooting lights out and everything was going in they shot 55 percent from three and took them 47 attempts so and you guys almost came back i mean it was lucky you're up 20 it was if there was two minutes left in the game or two minutes extra in the game you could say um there was a really good chance chance. that philly pulled that out so i wouldn't be too worried we've seen teams lose game one at home before and bounce back but tonight is going to be a huge game tonight is definitely a huge game so. For sure. I just got to about, talk about Trey Young for a second. Cause yeah. My God, for a, <laughs> not, not a rookie, but like first time ever in the playoffs with the team that he has and with the season they had and how they had to rebound, like it, I am overly impressed with what Trey Young has been able to do in his first six playoff games of his career. He's just unreal. Great ball player. Yeah, no, he's, I, I think, I mean, maybe Atlanta, I know they were talking about trading guys like Collins and Capella at one point, Bogdanovich at one point, Gallinari at one point, And I mean, Nate McMillan, 
it's a damn shame he finished fifth in coach of the year voting. There was a lot of worthy candidates. Tom Thibodeau was definitely deserving of that. Monty Williams mm-hmm. was deserving. Quinn Snyder, Doc Rivers, all guys who were deserving of it. But for Nate McMillan, I mean, they had the best record in the East after Lloyd Pierce got fired. I yeah. mean, that says something. And I'm, I mean, the guys who finished ahead of him, they all were deserving of coach of the year, just given some of the turnaround. So it's definitely tough to give it to a guy who only, you know, coached for half the season, but Nate McMillan, yeah. I I think the Hawks are crazy if they don't re-sign him and give him an extension. They should re-sign their, him as their head coach because he's a. I mean, I know he had he never really, you know, panned out in Indiana when he was there. They always exited in the first round. But look what he does with this young core. I mean, he's gotten them playing together, hitting their shots, and mm-hmm. Trey Young dishing the ball really well. So um, yeah. maybe they could add a piece or two too. I know Capella's you know been up and down. He didn't have a great game against Embiid the other day, and they're definitely going to need him to step up because if the threes aren't going in, they're going to need someone to defend Embiid. But uh, it will be interesting. I mean, if the Haw- I don't, I still don't think the Hawks are going to pull it out. I, I said Sixers and six. I think it's going to stay Sixers and six. Um, but you know, don't want to look ahead too much next year for the Hawks. But I mean, they, they're going to have a young core and be tough for a while. They are, and I think just because of how he he played in the second half of the season, what he's done playoff wise, Trey Young is definitely going to be an MVP candidate for years to come in this oh, league. Yeah. Like kind of like Ja, like. Just they have that X factor where they can just come in and take over a game, you know, and I think that is going to continue to shine for Trey Young, especially after this playoff run. It, win or lose, I think he's going to be even hungrier next year and be like, we came in, smoked the Knicks, came in game one, beat Philly. Who knows if they push it to a six-game, seven-game series or if Philly comes in and sweeps in the rest of the series. Who knows? But just to go over, in his first six games of his playoff career, which is this year, First six games, 45% from the field, 35% from the three-point line, 30.2s a game, and 9.8 assists per game, and he's 93.5% from the uh, from free, uh, free throw line. Excuse Do you have me. how many attempts so, a game he has from the free throw line on there? Uh, 7.7. Okay, so that's pretty good. So he gets to the line pretty consistently. Yeah. He takes 22 shots a game also, so he is – taking good amount of shots there 8.7 to them are threes so about nine i would say um but yeah man it just the one thing for him 3.2 turnovers i th- i feel like that's a lot but not really for the amount of minutes he, he's playing 37 minutes a game so that's one turnover every 12 minutes that's not bad at all yeah he's also doing this against some of the best defensive teams in basketball i mean he played yeah. the knicks who were the probably the best defense if not a top three defense up there with the jazz this year Um, and then Philly, I mean, Ben Simmons is one of the best on ball defenders given his height and guarding him. So, I mean, Hey, I'll, I'll give the man credit where credit's due. He's going to, he's going to have a great career. One last tidbit on this though. I wanted to say, uh, for those who are saying the Hawks won the Luca trade, stop it. No, stop stop it. it. Stop it. Luca has no one around him. He plays in the Western conference. He plays in the West. The West is a lot tougher than the East still to this day, I believe. Um, when you had LeBron getting knocked out in the first round, it's tough. Um, the, the West is in very good hands for yeah. years to come. For sure. Can we talk about the West? Can we just talk about the Suns? Can we talk about how we had the Suns and everyone was taking the Lakers? Let's give ourselves a round of applause for that, Jordan. We, you, you called it. You were right on the head. You said Suns in six. I said Suns in seven, but I don't really care because they're on the next round. They, they won pretty convincingly last night. I don't know if you stayed up that whole time to watch that game. But I was in and out. I holy Because it was crap. so late. I ended up watching the first, like, two and a half quarters, and then I knocked out. And literally right out – I mean, I, I woke up this morning, and I ended up watching 
Um, the whole, I ended up DVRing the whole fourth quarter and watched that pretty much from start to finish on my lunch break today. Um, mm-hmm. and holy crap. I mean, Mikel Bridges was great. Mm-hmm. Um, Devin didn't, Booker didn't was great. the most points in that game. I think, I think he had 23. Or, or was that game one he had? Well, game one was the, last, um, oh, against the Lakers. That's what I'm saying. Last night, did he have the most oh, points last night? God, I don't even know, but him, him. Booker, Paul, and Aiton all had over 20 points. I think yeah, Booker 20 didn't and have 20. 22 in the first had, quarter. Uh, that was in game. That was in game six against the Lakers. So game that six. Was game against, six. Sorry. Game, so let, yeah, let's back check because it's been a great week for the Suns. They won four games yeah. in a row. Uh, we're down two one to the Lakers. So game five, Devin Booker had 30 points. Game six went absolutely off. Had 47 points, 11 rebounds, 15 of 22 from the field, eight of 10 from three. I think his career high in threes was five or six in that 70 point game he had. First quarter alone, he had he was six for six from the field, uh, or six of six from three, eight of nine from the field, and outscored the Lakers pretty much by himself with 22 points. Um, Cameron Payne also stepped up big in game five of the last series as well, 16 points, seven 11 from the field. Um, and then game one, like I said, all, all five starters last night were in double figures, shot 59.3% from the field. Crowder was the only starter, not over 20 points. And he played a really great game defensively. Yeah. He, had, he had some clutch shots at the beginning at a four point play to kick off the game. Um, Bridges was eight of 12 from the field. Booker was eight of 12 from the field. I believe eight was nine of 13 and Chris Paul was eight of 13. Um, I don't have those stats in front of me, but overall, I mean, the starters carried Payne had a good, another good game off the bench. I think he had 11 or 12 points again. So, I mean, it started out, it was tough because Jokic was scoring at will at the rim. He was getting whatever he wanted. I was getting a little bit worried. And at one point too, like when I fell asleep, I believe the Suns were down 10. I think it was 72, 62. And then they ended the quarter, I think up eight, like it's that, that stadium too, that arena is absolutely like insane. I think it might be one of the loudest arenas in the NBA. It has to be. Stephen A. Smith, I know he says a lot of shit out of his ass, but he was talking about it this morning. I think it has a factor. I mean, they lost game two, but I mean, it's a hostile place to play. Mm-hmm. Somehow, I mean, they can win a game in Utah against the Jazz if they make it to the next round or have home court against the Clippers. I mean, this is a tough place. These fans were into it. They were going hype. Watching the replays this morning or the, the DVR this morning was like nuts. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, that sounds... It sounds about right. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, if you have any takeaways, but I mean, when when four of your five starters are scoring 20, 20 points plus. or more and shooting 60% from the field and Jay Crowder still has 15 points and shoots one shot below being 50% for the game. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. It's just, it just shows how well this offense gels together. I remember watching the fir- their first game of the year, just how they were chucking the ball around Crowder in the corner, Bridges in the other corner, Aiden inside, and then you got CP3 and Booker running around at the three-point line in mid-range. Like, yeah. I just want to say – How do you stop that? Yeah. No, and I just want to say, too, like, Devin Booker, like, I love him because he's almost, like, very old school. Like, he is sprinting on every play. He's not mm-hmm. like dogging it up the court. He is sprinting and he's not just standing at the three point line. He's making cuts. He's getting to the free throw line. He's driving to the hoop. He will shoot threes if it's the open shot. And th- this whole team, I mean, Bridges shoots a lot of threes. Crowder shoots a lot of threes, but they're not just throwing them up. They're getting yeah. open shots. And I mean, I don't know if it's just the Chris Paul effect this year, but I mean, we saw them do it in the bubble last year, but I mean, this is like a good basketball team. Like it's they not are. just Devin Booker taking over. It's the team. It's the yeah. team. Their bench is deep. Tory Craig's had playoff experience last year with Denver. I mean, it's it's the the experience doesn't even matter at this point. But it's just it's it's a great team to watch. Yeah, like they they just have chemistry. They have 
charisma. Like, it's just, this is a fun NBA team to watch. And I've, I've said that multiple times throughout this NBA season, but they are, if you put on a Suns game, you're not going to be bored. Like oh. they know how to make basketball fun, dishing the rock around, shooting threes, driving to the basket, the mid range, their defense, like they, they emulate what basketball should be. Yeah, for sure. And I, it's, it's crazy. So shout out, shout out to the Suns. I, like I said, six games, I think I had, you had them in five, I believe, right? Yeah, I had them in five. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I had them in six just because we all know Jokic's ability to take over a game. But, I mean, he, after really that 10-point lead, didn't really do much. He didn't get to the line at all either. No. So, give him credit to, credit to there. And then we did – I didn't have this written down, but I did want to get your opinion on this. So, LeBron, out of the playoffs again. And I did want to throw this out there because two of his first three years in L.A., he – Missed the playoffs. I know he was hurt for most of that year. But even if he was healthy, I don't think they were going to make the playoffs no. or be close. With him and Lonzo? Yeah. Maybe maybe they would have snuck in at like a 7-8 seed. And then this year, with all the injuries, I know he was hurt for a lot of the year. AD was hurt for a lot of the year, but still finished seventh. And They, they were healthy come playoff time. Yeah, to start the series. I mean, AD did miss the last yeah. two and a half games, and that definitely changed it. But I, I don't know. Does this, like, hurt his legacy? Do you think? I mean, I... I'm just getting kind of tired of the comparisons to Jordan because at this point it's he's, no, he's not he, up. No, he's not even top three at this point. Like really, it's it's him, Larry Bird, and Kobe. Those are top three right there. MJ, and Magic Larry Johnson Bird arguably could go in there. MJ, Will, Bill Russell. I mean, like, some people, I, some people have Oscar Robertson up there. I don't the, know. There was this great clip, and granted, like there there were some calls LeBron should have gotten in the game. But it's crunch time. It's game six. They were down by seven or eight points. And I think I sent you this clip. He goes up for a layup. And the and the ball, like, he, he gets a little shove in the back, but it's nothing crazy. It's a playoff game. You're not going to get that call. Shots misses. They get the offensive rebound. They kick it to the three line. They kick it back to him in the post. He goes to take a shot, and Jay Crowder gets all ball from behind the back. Yes. And he's complaining, looking for a foul, sitting with the ref. Suns get everyone down court. It's five on four because LeBron's arguing with the ref. And instead of hustling back to get on defense when they're down by seven with like six minutes to go, he literally walks on screen with 10 seconds left on the shot clock. And I'm like, you literally wasted 14 seconds arguing a call you know you're not going to get. Like, like to me, like that, that is not good basketball. And to me, that doesn't emulate a good basketball player. LeBron, like Brad said two weeks ago, he's yeah. the most frustrating player in the NBA because he is so good. And there's no denying that. He, he's a top 10, top five player in NBA history. There is no question about it based on his athletic ability, how well he shoots the ball, defense, athletic, like everything he does is so great. It's the negatives for me that bring him down the list. The How easily he gets, quote unquote, injured how he complains about every single call, how he can't just lock in and take over a game at any given moment. Like, he makes clutch shots, yes. But you think about guys like MJ, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like, those were guys that for five to ten minutes of a game, it's all them. They're making plays. They're going down, and they're making shit happen. Like, LeBron is known for clutch shots. He's not – known for clutch stretches throughout a game where it's all him. No one else is on the court. Doesn't matter who you put on him. And that that's where his legacy stopped for me. And that's why I, I might put him in the top five, but not top three. Yeah. No, you I, know? 
I agree. I mean, growing up, a Celt- like I said, growing up a Celtics fan, it was very frustrating to watch him. I mm. didn't hate him as much as being in Cleveland. I shouldn't say hate him, but I mean, being a younger guy too, not like, you know, his first stint in Cleveland, I think I was in seventh grade is like last year there. And growing up watching him, I didn't despise him. Um, I mean, definitely appreciated the talent. And then just once he went to Miami, it was just all downhill. It was all mm-hmm. downhill. I mean, he beat the Celtics, I think, in 2011, a hurt Celtics team, an older Celtics team, and he was acting like he just won game seven of the NBA Finals. And it's like, act like you've been there before. You're on the big three. I mean, it's kind of like this whole Kyrie saga. You stomp on the logo after you just beat a banged-up Celtics team where Tatum still dropped 40 on you. It's like, pick yeah. your battles, buddy. So, I don't know. All-time great. He's definitely in my top five. Um, but it's a tough look because he has one more year in, in LA. And if they can't get past the first round or miss out on the playoffs again, I I don't know. I Do you think he retires if they can't do it next year? Possibly. He could retire now if he wanted to. I mean, he's still going to yeah. be a top five player at some point. I don't think he will. I think he really wants to keep going as long as he can until he physically can't anymore. Um, I think he wants to, he sees what Brady's yeah. doing out in the NFL. I know they're buddies, so he might want to, you know, try and go till he's 41, 42, go past what I know Shaq yeah. until he was maybe in his late thirties, but go past. I think Kobe was 37 when he retired. He's already at that point right now. And he's still dominating. I mean, he's still a top player in the league. He's still an all-star starter. He's a first team, all NBA guy, but I mean, just seeing seeing how difficult the West is just really makes me wonder. You know, he had some cakewalks in the East some years. He missed so many games. Cleveland won 53 games and was the four seed a couple times, and they still made the finals because it didn't matter to the playoffs. Where in the West, you see it matters in the regular season. It matters if you're the seven seed because you got to go into hostile territories like Phoenix. And when you don't have AD there, it's like, it's tough. It's a tough game yeah. to win. It's very um, tough. So next year is going to be a big year. It is. And to put it this way, like it, at 36 years old or 35, he's 36. He's 36. I think he might be 37 soon. Like not. Yeah. He'll yet. be 37. He will soon. be 37 this year. Um, 25 points per game, 51% from the field, 7.7 assists and 7.8 rebounds per game. Like that's like, or excuse me, I flipped the two, 7.7 rebounds and 7.8 assists per game. Like for someone that age, for being as good as he was during his prime, like those are still really solid numbers. Yeah. Anytime you're scoring scoring 20 plus points a game and you're getting over six rebounds and six assists a game, like those are still first team, second team, all NBA numbers. Like yeah. those are very solid. No, definitely. I mean, he's great. And yeah. It's just, like I said, the West is a different animal, and he's seeing that this year. I know last year the bubble, they kind of steamrolled a lot of the teams they played. I think that Nugget series maybe went five or six games. The Heat went five or six games. I don't think they got the toughest opponents last year, and I think if they weren't in a bubble, they still, I think they still would have won the championship, but it would have been a lot tougher of a run um, yeah. given the teams that they had to play because I think they played Portland, Houston, who was, like, really crappy, uh, the Nuggets, who are kind of coming off, you know, some big 3-1 series deficits. And then the Heat, who probably, I think, if they weren't in the bubble, wouldn't have been there. Because I think the Bucks or Celtics would have knocked them off last year. Yeah. So, I don't know. West is definitely a different animal. Um, but that'll be a storyline for all offseason. I'm sure we'll talk about it more. Yeah, um, man. How about those Nets? Nets. Yeah, that was the last thing I had here. So, Nets, uh, up 2-0 in the series. Absolutely steamrolling the Bucks. You don't look happy about your pick of bucks and seven, but you said bucks and seven. You didn't say bucks and five. So um, what made you change mine too? Cause you thought the heat were going to steamroll the bucks. And then you think the bucks over the nets, was it just, I just think of how easy the bucks handled the heat and just the nets. Like 
obviously have more super power, like star power, mm-hmm. but they're very similar size wise. Like matchup wise, they should match up well, except against KD, which Giannis against KD, we've seen how that's gone. Yeah. Giannis has been absolutely destroyed defensively. Like it's just, it's not even close for him. Um, but I don't know, man. Like that's the, the Bucks scored more points than anyone in the NBA this year. They averaged 120.8 points per game. The Nets had the 10th worst defense in the NBA this year. Mm-hmm. The Bucks on are averaging less than 100 points a game right now. Granted, that first game they scored what 105, 107, and then this game they scored like yeah, 80 it was something. 115 to 107, but and then you were yeah. you were still like friggin' you're still 20 points down from what you're averaging. Like that's got to throw up some red flags somewhere that something you're doing isn't working, and especially like Blake Griffin is starting at center. Like, yeah and like the celtics it. had like i think game not that the celtics scored a shit ton of points on them but game three and four at home the celtics put up some crazy offense they were still scoring like 120 even though they lost yeah so just, yeah i, I don't know man and yeah when you when you put it this way like oh, i just i don't get it dude like deandre yeah. jordan who's a true isn't even play isn't even play he's not even playing <laughs> he doesn't play all playoffs like if <laughs> We talked about this last week. If the Nets win, the big center is probably going to go away in the NBA. It's not going to yeah. be the championship winning formula. So no one's going to use a big man unless it's a superstar like Jokic or Embiid. Embiid like, Jokic, Aiton. Yeah, um, Aiton, him. Like, even Capella, uh, but yeah. Yeah, Bam Adebayo, even though he's 6'9". Yeah, like, yeah and that's the thing too is like Adebayo 6'9". I think um, – who did I just say to? Someone else I said in that list was 6'9", like not super tall. So yeah. – um, other thing I wanted to say, though, is Harden went out. Harden, I don't even count game one because he played 45 seconds. And yeah. the the Nets, we've said these guys have to step up. I mean, game one, Blake Griffin and Joe Harris were on fire combined. They were 14 of 24 from the field and shot 9 of 18 from three. Oh. Uh, Griffin had 14 rebounds. And this is compared in the Celtics series because I saw a stat, crazy stat after the Celtics series. It was like Harden, Kyrie, Durant assisted or scored on like 88.2% of points that were scored in that series. So I think in the Boston series, it was Harrison Blaker from combined for only 18.2 points a game. They had 37 in game one. I didn't even check how many they had in game two, but guys stepped up. I mean, Mike James came out of nowhere in game one, had 12 points uh, off the bench, kind of stepping in that role for uh, Harden. I know Bruce Brown had a pretty big game last night, starting for Harden. James also scored in double digits again. Um, I think Harris was in double digits. Griffin didn't have as much of an effective game, but it didn't really matter because they were up by 49 at one point in that game. Um, and the other thing is, too, we were talking about how shitty C.J. McCollum was for the Trailblazers. Chris Middleton, Chris Middleton been has been the McCollum of the East. I mean, 30% I just... from the field in the first two games, 23% from, the f- or from three, uh, only 15 points a game. His average game score is four in these two games. Didn't really play well against the Heat either. Guys like Bryn Forbes stepped up. Lopez stepped up. Connaughton stepped up. And it's like Middleton just hasn't come to the occasion. They swept the Heat. He was kind of non-existent. And he's even more non-existent now. And it's – there's no answers because we like him. He's a good guy. We're a pro Chris Middleton podcast. so it's. I love Chris Middleton. He's one of my favorite players. It it sucks to see him like – doing this and Giannis has been meh but I mean you can only do so much when you're faced with three superstars it's, it's enough like for Middleton it, it's almost like he's a completely different player in the postseason the past two 
postseasons. Yeah. Like, yeah. Th- that's beginning of the series against the Heat last year. Like, he was unreal. And then the last, like, three games just, yeah. like, non-existent. They lost. they lost all three. I mean, Giannis was out, but still, it's. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know, man. Yeah. I just, I... He's got to pick his up. Like, like Giannis playing well is super important for that team. But I think it's more important that Chris Middleton picks up his shit than Giannis right now. Because Giannis could pop off for 40, but if Chris Middleton's not doing his thing, it's not going to happen. Yeah, no, definitely. 100% agree. And I hope he does for his sake. I still think Nets in five. I think the Bucks are going to squeeze one out. I think game three, they're going to be pissed off and angry. And I think they will win game three. I think the Nets do yeah. steal one on the road in game four. We might see Harden back. Who knows, though, if you're the Nets, you want to go all out game three and try and win that because, you know, then you can give Harden another game or two off before you would yeah. really desperately need him or just rest him before, you know, a Philly series, especially if they can sweep and that Philly series goes six or seven. You never know. Um, yeah, I, I would not be shocked if they ended up sweeping. Would not be yeah. shocked. No, absolutely. Just without those first two games went. Yeah, no. Oh, so You want to um, hear a fun fact about Jokic real quick before yeah. – uh, before we start up, he's the lowest drafted player ever to win MVP oh. at the 41st spot in the draft. Wow. Okay. That's I like cool. That. I love that. I like that. I like that as well. Um, I actually do have some MVP trivia about that later. So, but it wasn't it wasn't that question. So we'll get to that. Um, quick hit that we will probably talk more about this offseason. Uh, Brad Stevens for the Celtics promoted to GM and Danny Ainge retired. Uh, so Celtics do have an open head coaching vacancy. I said it to Jordan right after it happened, and I said, Kevin Garnett, it's kind of rumored that that's not going to happen. Evan Turner's not going to happen. I would really like Becky Hammond to be the Celtics' next head coach. Or Chauncey Billups. One of those two, I think, would be really great. Um, I heard that, and Terry Stotts from the Trailblazers also parted ways after a couple first-round playoff exits. Jason Kidd was the front runner for that. He withdrew his name, and if he does come to the Celtics, I'm going to be very pissed off. It's going to be interesting to see who does get that trailblazers job. I have heard Chauncey Billups rumored to that as well. So um, those will be some storylines that we'll be following, but my top, my, my fan vote for Celtics is Kevin Garnett, but for the franchise, I think Becky Hammond would be great. Her and Brad Stevens have a really good relationship from what I've heard. So I think she'd be a great fit here. I agree. And I have a hot take. Go for it. Nate McMillan. For the Celtics. Yes. He's the former assistant. I, I would love that too. Yeah. I think that'd be a great fit. If the Hawks don't re-sign him, yeah. Nate McMillan is definitely going to the Celtics. No question. I would love that. I would be okay with that. For, uh, I should say former assistant coach here, I think under Doc Rivers as well. I think maybe even Brad Stevens at one point, but might be mistaken on that. Also heard Mike D'Antoni might be a, a candidate. If uh, the Blazers keep the core they have and don't care about defense, I think D'Antoni would be a great fit out there. Yeah. Cool. That'd be awesome. Well, kicking it over to the show and baseball. Let's just start out. Like, if you're not, like, if you're skipping to NFL right now, we're just going to start with Red Sox Yankees. Listen to this next, like, five, 10 minutes because, like, we were watching this series. This is probably the most intense baseball talk we're going to have for a while. I want to get your takeaways from this series because it honestly, every game was pretty close. Nothing was a blowout. You got to fire Aaron Boone after the season. Okay. So that's, that's what I wanted to. I, I don't even know, honestly, Jordan, I don't know if he'll make it through the season at this point. I just... I, so the, the strike three call foot outside, terrible call would have loaded the bases would have loaded the bases. But what I want to say is, is that call may have actually helped you guys in the long run. And you want to know why? Why? Because everybody on the Yankees bench was absolutely heating, heated 
bench coaches, third base coaches, hitting coaches were getting tossed left and right. Phil the, Nevin, who yeah, could barely so walk. Got thrown out for, who didn't even say shit. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I know. And it should have been Marcus Tins. It should have been the hitting yeah, coach. They threw out the bench have. coach. But you know who wasn't yelling at the fucking umpire? Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone was not yelling at the umpire. He didn't give two shits about <laughs> what happened. Literally two years ago, comes out and says, my guys are fucking savages in that box. Clean that shit up. Like, he wouldn't have that two years ago. My favorite is he would, like, bitch about shit when a pitch was, like, an inch outside, and that's when he decided to blow up. And then this happens, and he's kind of just like, meh. Let, I just, like... So, that may have helped you guys. He's comfortable. It, like, Yeah. That's the thing. Like, first manager ever to get 100-plus wins in his first two seasons. And then COVID season, so he's like, ah, like, it, it matters, but it doesn't matter. They did kind of well in the playoffs, but then win a championship. So, in my book, they didn't do well. And then now it's like, we started 5-11, but now we're, like, we're fighting for a wild card spot. So, I think we're good. Like, he just, just doesn't get it. Before that Tiger series, you guys were, like, two games out. Yeah. We were close. Yeah. We, we, we were one of the best records in the AL. Yeah. Like, yeah. and we were as we were, soon as the Tiger series yeah. happened, like, it, it's been all downhill. We were literally talking two weeks ago that we were going to get three teams in the American League East in the playoffs. And we still could. And it could be the Red Sox, Rays, and Blue Jays at this point. Yeah. Not saying the Yankees are done. I mean, like I said, it's it's June. There's still time for things to turn around. But honestly, as a Red Sox fan, I hope they keep Aaron Boone. I hope he stays around. I hope he's there till the end of the season. I fucking hope not. Because your your pitching's been good. I mean, Kluber kind of had an unfortunate injury, and I feel bad yeah. for him. And but I mean, he should was, be back soon, though. That's yeah. what I've been hearing. I heard, he yeah, I back. heard, I heard four weeks, and it's been about two now. So, yeah. um, no, I think he might come back even earlier. Like next oh, really? week, he could be oh, back. Yeah, that'd be good for him. Like he's been recovering um, very well. I would say though, I wouldn't rush him back if I were the Yankees, no. because that just could turn in worse but your starters weren't bad this weekend talion didn't have a terrible game michael king gave up a three-run homer in the first inning and settled down after that it was the offense that really just didn't do anything i know i know we can talk about the third game but two runs in game one three runs in game two like yeah but that's the same old dance with the yankees this year like our offense can't do shit right now except get walked and then because we get walked and we get so many guys on base yeah at some point something's got to give and then we get runs across the base but we're we're not batting anyone in we're leaving i think we have i think we're third with most runners left in scoring position in the mlb this year that that sounds about right also first baseman's for the Yankees, <laughs> second lowest OPS on the season between Jay Bruce and Luke Voigt, and then that new guy we just hard hitting Gittins. Yeah, like <laughs> we we have the second lowest OPS at the first base spot. That that's not good at all it, for any category to be second to last or last for the Yankees. Even bottom ten for any statistical category is terrible for Yankees baseball. Yeah. You know, so I just at this point like just keep. But we can't keep doing what we're doing. And at the same time, there's been so much inconsistency with our lineup, with injuries, with Aaron Boone in general, with our gameplay. Like, if we change something else, that's not going to fix anything. We got to stick with something and rock with it and just go and put, yeah. put it on the gas. Like, great. Let, let's say, God forbid, Aaron Judge gets hurt and we have to bring in some minor league recruit or make a trade or whatever. Whoever comes in should still bat in the number two spot. We shouldn't be moving that around. We yeah. need to get consistency in the lineup. That's well, where it even, starts. Yeah, and I mean, Stanton sat out game three. Even, and I want to go back to the runs and scoring position, because like we've said, that pitch, that, that call was terrible. It would have loaded the bases. There would have still been a chance, like, for Barnes to get out of it. And the Yankees also could have scored on a wild pitch. But in that game, I mean, even 
like drop that last inning and the Yankees were, and I'm not even counting, including the Odor strikeout, they were three for 12 with runners in scoring position, three for 11, which isn't terrible, but that's not no. great. Again, not in, including the Odor um, strikeout, 12 guys left on base. Even so, 10 guys left on base. You can't be doing that. Garrett Richards in that Sunday night game gave up eight hits and had three walks, and you guys scored three runs. Oh, my God. Like, that's not going to cut it. They hit into three double plays on yeah. on Sunday. Like, it's just – it's not going to cut it. Um, and it sucks for you guys, too, because the pitching – has the starting pitching, I mean, Herman, as much as we all hate him, only gave up one earned run. Bullpen came in and blew it. Chad Green had a terrible game. Uh, on Saturday, and I gave him four runs in the eighth inning. So, like, and the Red Sox didn't do anything crazy. They just hit the ball and run the bases. They just do what they do, dude. <laughs> hit, hit some doubles, hit a few homers. I mean, I'm I'm excited for this team. I really, really am. This definitely reminds me a lot of that 2013 Red Sox team. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Bogarts had a hit in every game in that series. He was 5 for 12 in the 10th inning of that game. Did have a huge RBI single or two RBI single to, to give the Red Sox the lead there. Dahlbeck had a clutch homer on Saturday night. Verdugo let off the game Sunday with a homer. Uh, Devers had a huge, huge, I think Devers was like, oh, for his last 50 against the fastball and then comes up against Michael King and just hits an absolute piss missile into right field. Yeah. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez, who's kind of had a, sh- don't want to say shitty year, but not a really great offensive year. Um, comes up with clutch hit after clutch hit. Just, you know, just has to get all his hits in clutch time. So um Pitching was good. Erod had a terrible May. He had like an eight ERA in May. Came out, had a pretty good start on Saturday, only giving up three runs. Avaldi was lights out in game one. I think he gave up seven runs or so. So um, huge game for, or huge series, you know, for the Red Sox to, to gain some ground yeah. in the standings. And, um, and, and I mean, Torres and Judge. Torres had a solid series. He had some clutches. He had the game tying hit on, on Sunday night. So there's definitely yeah. some promise there in your lineup. It's just, I don't know how it's going to work going forward. I- I don't know either, man. And I don't know if we need to make a big time trade and just like get another superstar. Cause fuck it. Why not? We're the Yankees <laughs> yeah. might as well. Um, but I don't know just at this point what the deal is. Like yeah. I, I have no answers at this point because we know it's the offense. Yeah. But with the deloading of baseballs and all the infield shifts and blah, 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 blah. Other teams are making it happen though. So why not us? Yeah. Like, we have the star power. We have the big bats. We have guys who can get on base. Like, we, we historically, we have solid hitting over the past three seasons with a very similar lineup. Now it's just like, wh- where does it go from here? You know, and I think yeah. we did rush Roy back from injury, but we kind of had to because we knew Jay Bruce was going to leave. So it's like, it's just, oh, we're just in a shitty spot. Yeah, no, for so. sure. So, now, definitely will be interesting to see what happens there, but let's kick it off, I guess. Let's go back to hitters now. Um, who do you got as your hitter of the week? My hitter of the week, Andrew McCutcheon, the 34-year-old yeah. man, about to like turn it. 35. Um, didn't play a whole lot of games this week, but in four games, went 7 for 13 for a 538 batting average. Got seven hits, obviously. Two doubles, three home runs, eight ribbies, five times crossing the plate, so five runs. Two walks and only two strikeouts, and he had the highest OPS last week, a 1.985. That is ridiculous. Some other analytical stats, he added a win probability of 4.68, so that's almost 50% of their win probability went up because of him. And then before the last four games, this was his season stats. 201 batting average, 681 OPS, 
57 strikeouts in 49 games and 21 RBIs. Wow. He was on pace for 24 home runs, 70 RBIs, and 189 strikeouts. Now, th- this is where it gets fun. He's on pace for 31 home runs, 89 RBIs, and only 181 strikeouts. And if he keeps his four-game pace for the rest of the season, it, it, this is stupid. I'm just doing it for shits and giggles. He would hit 88 home runs. Yep. The 237 RBIs, only 111 strikeouts, and 85 walks. Yep, so, that's... Andrew McCutcheon, keep this shit up, man, because you could go down in MLB history if you end up doing this. Runs. 88 home 88 runs. 88 home runs for Andrew McCutcheon. I figured I, I was just making fun and throw that stuff out I, there. For, I like uh, it. At this point. I like it. No, I like it. I'm going to go to Vegas and put down – I'm going to put down 70 for him. I think that's a fair number mm-hmm. to give him. Andrew McCutcheon um, MVP? Ooh. He's done it before. Maybe, He's yeah. Done it before. <laughs> he has. He was real good in the mid 2010s. He I, was crazy. He was the reason the Pirates even made the playoffs all those years. Yeah. He, and now they're dog water. Now they're again. dog shit again. So, um, no, I love that as hitter of the week, especially too. Phillies, you know, you never know. They're only four games out. That division's pretty weak right now, like we said last week. Um, but my hitter, we talked about him a little bit last week or maybe two weeks ago when he has three home run game. Uh, teammate of Nick Castellanos, who's a big friend of the podcast, but I actually this week have his uh, outfield co-partner, Jesse Winker, hit another three-run home run game on Sunday in a back-and-forth battle with the Cardinals. I think they were up 7-1 to one in that game, blew the lead, and then Winker came up in the eighth and hit a clutch home run there. He's had nine home runs in his last 14 games. Over that span is hitting 379, has obviously those nine homers. 14 RBIs, has a 1.291 OPS, and scored 70 runs. And the Reds, four-game sweep over the Cardinals, so they're kind of bouncing back a little bit. I know they've had an up-and-down year. Like I said, their pitching hasn't been great to date. Um, But, hey, they're one game below 500, only four games out of uh, the Milwaukee Brewers. Do have to catch the Cubs and Cardinals, but gained a lot of ground on the Cardinals. They're only a game and a half back of the Cardinals as we speak for third place. Um, and Winker just on the year. I mean, him and Castellanos have a very good chance, and I think they should both be starting the All-Star game in the outfield. All-Star game voting is live now, so make sure to go on. Maybe next week, Jordan, we can give a little preview, pick who our guys are. Yep, um, who are, I agree. I, I would say who we're voting for maybe, even though I'm voting for all Red Sox guys, but I'll give my, mm-hmm. uh, my realistic expectations because there's definitely some guys I think are deserving. But, I mean, Really, since we talked about them two weeks ago, I think we had Castellanos as one of our hitters of the week. I don't know if it was me or you, um, but not much has changed. Castellanos no. still hitting 359, Winker hitting 350. Uh, Winker hasn't beaten the home run department, obviously, because when you hit nine homers in 14 games, that shit happens. Um, yeah. He's got 37 Facts. ribbies. Castellanos has 31 ribbies. Castellanos has 18 doubles. Winker's at 10. So. Might be one of the best uh, outfield or hitting outfielders. Naquin's had a pretty solid year for them as well, hitting 257 with 11 homers and 38 RBIs. Has more RBIs than both of them. So, uh, Reds offense, which is not ex- what we expected the talking point to be going into the season, has been really good. So, they're yeah, pitching and figure it out. Who knows? First in batting average right now with the 359, like you said yes. earlier. Yep. He's first right now. Yeah. Like it's, and I, I said he was a quarter season MVP for the NL. Yeah. Like there's. I, yeah. He's been unreal. Yeah. I love him. I think too. And both of them have OPSs over a thousand. So yeah, that's I mean, incredible to have two players on the same team with that. Like not that it hasn't happened before, but still that's really great when you have that, especially outfielders. Yeah. You know, love absolutely. To see that. Absolutely. 
not not to take away from baseball, but I'm watching the Sixers game right oh, yeah, now. So Titus on? Harris looks like he's playing point. Like he's he's okay. taking the ball up every single time and he's already got six. Okay. So yeah, they're playing well. Wow. Yeah, I was trying to get it on my TV here, but it just wasn't loading. So whatever. We're half we're more than halfway through at this point. Um Can more we talk about the Brewers. I was gonna say let's let's talk about the Brewers. Let's talk about the NL Central right now too. We just oh talked about God, the we talked about the Reds and Cardinals. Crazy. Um yeah, what what do we got on the Brewers here? I mean, Brewers nine and one in their last and, ten games. Yeah. I talked about last They're still week. Still good. They were eight and two for the last ten in there. So like they, they've been on a roll. Corbin Burns his last two starts um, versus the Tigers, six innings pitch, one earned run, and uh, seven Ks. And then he comes back, plays Arizona. Uh, this was Monday, or yeah. excuse me, Sunday. Sunday. Seven innings pitch, no runs allowed, no walks, only four hits, and thirteen Ks. Corbin yeah. Burns putting his name in there All for star. a all-star and Cy Young potentially if he keeps this up like he is yeah. definitely in that conversation to get 20 strikeouts over a two game span is like pretty solid yeah. you know what I mean like especially with only 13 innings pitched too that's like I love seeing stuff like that absolutely I think we definitely need to talk all-star game next week figure out maybe not reserves but figure out who our starters would be if we were to vote yeah. um maybe throw some pitchers in there as well because there I mean there's some guys having great years um there Funny is. thing, uh, speaking of all-star game too, I saw something. Arizona has now lost 17 road games in a row. I know we were talking about them last time being really <laughs> shitty. Um, I saw something else. It was Vlad Guerrero Jr. has hit 14 homers since the Diamondbacks won their last road game. Are you kidding? And I'm curious how many <laughs> Jesse Winkers hit too. I didn't even see a stat on that, but I'm guessing wow. Vlad – Vlad leads in that time. Also, doesn't Vladdy lead the uh, uh, he's tied. Me, the entire MLB I think he's tied. Right I should I should try and find that, but I think he's I think tied. He Tatis was up there at one point. Acuna was still up there at one point. Let's Acuna see. MLB. Is Vladdy's number one with eighteen. Then we got Winker, Tatis, and Acuna all with seventeen, tied for second. And then in fifth, we've got – or tied for fifth, we got Adolis Garcia, who I think I talked about a couple weeks back as one of my hitters. Um, yep. And then Shohei Otani was 16 as well. Yeah, which and then is stupid. Rounding out the top ten, Matt Olson and Raphael Devers of the Red Sox. Uh, Devers, I don't know if he still mm-hmm. does, but at one point in the Yankee series, I think after Friday night, he led all of MLB in extra base hits. I think Winker wow. may have taken that over at this point, but – um let's see winker's got 28 devers has actually no devers has 30 what's that 33 so he's probably up there still i think yeah guerrero's only got 30 so good for rafael devers maybe an all-star we'll see next week um and then cubs best team in baseball brad i don't know if you saw brad's instagram he had to like put out an apology because he said the cubs were going to win the world series and everyone told him to kick rocks i saw Um, that (laughs) best record in the nl since may 1st 22 and 11 so they've won yeah they've been awesome uh, two-thirds of their games chris bryant was trade bait a year ago everyone was gonna literally didn't want to give up anything for him he's having an all-star potentially mvp caliber year 310 batting average 38 homers uh 13 homers i should say 38 rbis uh, and a 985 OPS uh, since the 33 game stretch that they're on now. Anthony Rizzo's been hitting 284, has 13 RBIs, uh, 10 walks compared to 10 strikeouts in that time too. So we know he's not much of a strikeout guy as is. Patrick Wisdom, have you ever heard of him before, Jordan? Never heard of him. 29 year old rookies played around the league. I think he was in Cincinnati last year at one point. Um, bounced around a lot. 
Uh, he's been he's played in 14 games so far, almost having a stretch like Winker. He's hit seven homers in 14 games, uh, 389 batting average, 10 RBIs, and a whole whopping 1.478 OPS. Oh, my God. Uh, I think he had a two-homer game on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. I know he did over the weekend. So um, pretty good week for the Cubs offensively. Uh, some pitchers I did want to talk about, Adbert as Alizley. I've only heard of him once before I looked up his name and actually saw what his st- stats were, but looks like since- Alzalay. Alzalay, yeah. yeah. Um, since May 1st, he's had six starts, uh, 33 and two thirds innings pitch, 35 strikeouts, 2.94 ERA, and batters are hitting barely 200 over him. That's awesome. Um, so he's been their ace. I mean, Ariette has been solid. Kendrick hasn't been that great this year. Um, and I know the pitching was a bit concerned. And then Craig Kimbrell, what a bounce back year for him after not getting signed till midway through 2020 or 2019. Um, and then having an ERA over, I think five last year, he's been lights out 13 of 14 and save opportunities. 0.78 ERA has only given up one earned run in two of his 23 appearances. And both times he only gave up one run. Uh, and he has a 0.783 whip, which is the lowest of his career. Now think wow. about it. Between 2011 and 2018, this guy was on pace to beat Mariano Rivera's save record. And for That's him this incredible. year to have his lowest whip, I mean, that was the biggest question mark with Kimbrel. Even when he was with the Red Sox and with the Padres and with the Braves, he always walked someone. He always gave up one hit. He did hit a batter, but he always got out of it. And always. this year, it's like he's not even doing that. He's guys aren't even getting on base. Um, I know back in the beginning of May where the, the Red Sox were talking about him as possible trade bait. Cause he's in the last year of his contract. He's in a contract year, but um, the Yankees obviously could use him. A lot of teams, the Rays, imagine him yeah. in that Rays bullpen. That would be holy shit. White Sox, him and Liam Hendricks together. I mean, him and Matt Barnes together again. I don't know. A lot of AL teams. I'm sure a lot of NL teams I and mean, the Dodgers, the pot. I mean, the Padres pitching has been great. They have one of the best staffs in all of baseball. Imagine him back in San Diego coming out of the Padres bullpen. I mean, holy yeah. shit. Um, That'd be ridiculous. But now the Cubs are like in a playoff race. I wouldn't trade him. Um, Cause so he's going to keep pitching. Well. No, he's going to, especially in the NL well. central, which is wide open as we've said multiple times. Yeah. No, absolutely. And then Cedric Mullins, another guy who could be – we should have just done the all-star time game this time around because we're talking we about all these guys. Um, Crazy. Mullins had a weekend at one point, was nine for nine, had nine hits and nine consecutive at-bats against Cleveland, who has a solid pitching staff in that stretch, three homers, four RBIs, five runs, and a double. Uh, leads nice. the AL and hits with 73 and is having a really solid year with nine homers, 18 RBIs. Uh, a 322 batting average on a Baltimore team or other than Trey Mancini, nothing's really going right for them because John Means was just yeah. put on the IL as well, which is sad to see because I know the I know the Orioles aren't great, but he's having uh, he was having a Cy Young All Star caliber year as well. That's crazy, awesome, love that. And then let's see a couple other quick things. Jacob Degrom, I did want to read off this tweet to you, Jordan, because I know you're you're big into Degrom. I know you're a big Degrom guy. You said what, yeah. he was one of the faces of baseball early in the year. Um, before yeah. the season even started. So I want to read this tweet to you. So this is coming from Jeff Passan, um, obviously one of the ESPN um, uh, baseball analysts, probably the guy. I kind of like, I'd, I'd say he's the equivalent of the Schefter of, uh, mm-hmm. of the baseball world. I would say so. So Jacob DeGrom threw nine starts, 2021, 58 innings pitched, 25 hits, eight walks, 93 strikeouts, three homers, 0.62 ERA. Bob Gibson in 1968, one of the best seasons ever. 
basically ERA was higher, 1.34, less strikeouts with 57, um, in more innings pitched. He pitched 80.2 innings. Oh my God. Um, so if, obviously a few more walks, a few more hits, but that's fine. Cause he pitched more innings. Pedro Martinez in 2000, also one of the best years ever pitched 10 more innings through nine starts, 68.1. So obviously giving up a few more hits with 40, a few more walks with 14, 95 strikeouts. So has two more strikeouts than DeGrom does. Um, same number of homers given up ERA of 1.19. There's people in the, in the comments and, and the replies just being like, Oh, well, you know, DeGrom's pitched way less innings on a, Inning, so DeGrom, basically, to put it in perspective, hits per nine innings, it was 3.88. Bob Gibson's was 6.02. Pedro's was 5.27. Walks per nine innings, uh, DeGrom, 1.24. Gibson, 2.23. Pedro, 1.84. Strikeouts per nine, DeGrom, 14.43. Pedro, 12.5. Gibson, 6.3. And, uh, yeah, I mean... Just this could be the best pitching season we've ever seen in baseball. Yeah. I like, and even if you just turn on the tape and know nothing about baseball, you could tell he's different. Like he's crazy. It's I mean, say it's the dead in baseball is all you want, but I mean, holy shit. It's different. It's different. No, it's he's still like he's hit, constantly hitting 100, 101, 102. Like, like pitchers don't do that no. game after game. And it's not even like he, he's throwing 100 the first couple of innings and then he dies out. Like, he's consistently throwing it for most of the game that he's in. Like, yeah, maybe sixth, seventh inning, it comes down, but it's still 99, 98. Like, he's still throwing some absolute gas. It's crazy. I just hope he stays healthy for the playoffs. I really do. I hope he stays healthy down the stretch for them because yeah. the Mets need it. I think he needs it. He needs to show. I mean, he was there in 2015, but he didn't have the same magnitude behind his name that he does now. Um, and the Mets haven't really done much for him in his start. So I think it would be great if the Mets make a run, if he's obviously the face of that run. I love Lindor too, but he's just not having a great year. So, no. um, would love to see that, um, kind of MLB quick hit. Tony LaRusa became second all time in managerial wins. Meh. Eh, Connie Mack. And then MLB did announce, we talked about it last week. There mm-hmm. will be a 10 game suspension for quote unquote, illegal substances used in pitchers. Yikes. Pitchers are going to be getting, quote-unquote, checked out by umpires 10 times per game. Not each pitcher, but just 10 random checks are going to happen. Position players are going to get checked for pine tar. Is That's going to be in between innings or? I think it's going to be like in between innings or if a guy comes in, the umpire has the right to check them. Um, position players, too, in the field, obviously not batting because you're allowed to use pine tar on the knob of your bat. Um, I'm not a huge fan of this. Just because, no. especially for position players, because if you're a guy that doesn't wear batting gloves but uses pine tar, you're going to get it on your hands. So yeah. see what happens with this. I, I don't know. The umpires said they're going to abide by it because that's what Major League Baseball is saying, and this one isn't on the umpires. This one's on Major League Baseball. Yeah. Um, I, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll see. I, I don't want to, like, jump the gun. If guys start getting suspended left and right, then I think it's going to be a problem. But It, it will be, but yeah. who knows? I just, I just hope it's, and it's not, it's, this is what, this is my prediction. Someone's going to get suspended. Someone's not going to get suspended and it's going to be the same exact scenario. And it's just going to be a huge fiasco. They're just putting a bandaid on an open wound. Like it's just, it's stupid, but whatever. Yeah. Let's not speculate too much into it. Cause I'm sure we'll have like shit to talk about on it in the coming weeks. I'm sure. Basically just be like, fuck you, Rob Manfred up yours. Um, Quick uh, NBA update on the Sixers game. Yep. Tobias Harris, 12 points in the first six minutes. Okay. 
and they are winning 23 to six with about yep. four and a half minutes. All left. right. So we will have a one, one series. Yep, to Atlanta, we will. What we all expected. Yeah. I think um, they missed th- three shots so far in the first half. Yep. And, and bead was guarding Trey young on two drives. Nice. And like, it wasn't even like he came inside, tried to dunk and then Embiid was there. No, like he was sidestepping, following him around the court. Like, yeah, I was, I was shocked. Yeah. Nah, I like it. Um, well, NFL. Yeah, man. Leo Jones. Woo! We <laughs> finally know where he's going. Finally. I'm so happy about this. Yeah. Uh, Do we know I officially just... what the trade was? Was it a was yes, it a, yes, yes. Let a me, second let round me pick up. still? Because on it was, Sunday. It was a second, a fourth, and something like that. I can pull the, up the official trade. Yeah, details, I think the but... Falcons got, or the Falcons also gave up a sixth, I think, with Julio. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken on that. Let me pull um, it up. But he is officially wearing the number two. Okay. So that's official. So let me see the official trade details. I need to go back. So, so these are the official terms. Atlanta gets a 2022 second round pick and a 2023 fourth round pick. Tennessee gets Julio Jones and a 2023 sixth round pick. So pretty solid trade. The Titans' offensive weapons that they got over the past couple of seasons. They used a fourth round for Ryan Tannehill, drafted Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown in the second round, and then traded a second for Julio Jones. That's their starting offense at the skill positions. I like that. I will say, though, because I think I had – I don't know. Did you have the missing the playoffs in our – no, you did, You did because I did too. We had the same – I had them at 10 and 6 missing. I, yeah, I had them 10 and 7. I think 10 and – or no, I think seven, I had them 9 and 8. And I think I had them nine and eight or eight and nine because really they lost Jonu Smith and Corey Davis this year, so they they needed to make this move. So in my in my opinion, I know it's great. It's Julio. It's a deep threat. They're in the same position they were in last year. Same, I agree. So I think they're a playoff team. I think they jump into the playoffs now with this move. But I like there's people. Oh, Super Bowl. I mean, I still think the Colts win the division. I think the Colts still in the division. division. Look at the Titans' defense. The That's front what I'm, seven's ex- great. Exactly. Janoris Jenkins and Caleb Farley are really good man corners, but both of them depends on their health. Exactly. Other than that, the only good player in that secondary is Kevin Byard, who is who's still really good, but not as good as he was two years ago when he was an all-pro. Yeah. But still a very good safety. Don't yeah. get me wrong on and that. No disrespect to Julio, no disrespect to Derrick Henry, but, I mean, these guys are older. I mean, Derrick Henry, yeah. he might run for 2,000 yards given the 17 games, but, like, it's almost impossible to repeat what yeah. he did last year. And he's creeping almost. up in age. I think we talked we talked about it back in football season. He's getting to that, like, 28, 29 age range where, like, that's where guys start to kind of dwindle down a little bit. So, I don't know. I love, I love me yeah, some Derrick Henry. I think he's going to have a great year this year, but we're getting to that point where – it's starting to look like that. So Titans are, I think, are yeah, I in win-now mode given the, the trade, but mm-hmm. they're not – this doesn't make them the Super Bowl favorites. This doesn't make them the AFC favorites. No, this doesn't even make them the defense, division man. favorites. Yeah. No. What I mean, like, they, they do have – um, they did get Bud Dupree. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Simmons is a very good D tackle. They still have Jayon Brown at the middle linebacker spot. Like, they, they're solid in their front They'll seven. They'll improve. You know, but, like, you can have a solid front seven – but the secondary is where you need to have playmakers. And Kevin Byard is the only playmaker they have. Caleb Farley, if he ends up being healthy, biggest skill of the draft, easily. And he could easily be one of the best corners in the league for a long time. But it, it's still like 
we just have to wait and see. Yeah, I don't know. But um, let's see. Any other? We're gonna go over fantasy today. We're gonna do some fantasy yes, uh, rankings. You want to go over transactions and stuff now, and then get into fantasy? Yep. Or, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I, I like how we do that. I think that's nice too. Like, it's a good breakup from doing MLB, like going heavy, like player analysis. This is good, just like bang, I like bang, it. bang. Yeah, yeah. So, Juwan James signs with the Ravens. He's not going to play this year, most likely, because of his torn Achilles. But Alejandro Villanueva is on a one year deal. So, I think he'll be a perfect replacement for him. Uh, coming to next season, and they are going to need a right tackle, which is what Jawan James plays. I think Villanueva is going to move to the right side this year just because they need a right tackle. Um, so I think it's a good sign. It's a low-risk, high-reward signing. Viking signed Bashad Breland, a very solid corner for the uh, Chiefs, especially during their playoff run. I think he had the game-clinching INT in the Super Bowl. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he had a really good Super Bowl, actually. I think he had like a 50.2 pass rating against him. Played really solid. Punter news, special teams news. Michael Dixon signs a four-year, $14.5 million extension. The all-pro punter, one of the best in the league. Real solid deal there. Guess how he celebrated? Uh, Let's see. Punter celebrating. What would what would a punter do? To Did he celebrate? drop kick a watermelon? No, he got pizza with his girlfriend. <laughs> It's so oh, lame. brother, this guy stinks. <laughs> hey, man, but a good pizza. Uh, Pretty yeah, solid celebration. Yeah. Um, the Cardinals, instead of getting younger at the corner spot, they continue to get older. They signed Darquise Denard from free agency. I hate that move. Uh, Eagles are talking contract extensions with Dallas Goddard. So Zach Ertz is definitely going to be out of the building or have a much more or much smaller role or much more minimized role heading into the season. Broncos get the green light for going full capacity. The culture, the only team left to not have the green light on that. 49ers, injury troubles continue. This feels like the news every single time during the offseason and regular season. Tavarius Moore, who's their third safety. Uh, Terrace's Achilles. Justin Skule, offensive tackle, tours ACL. Both are out for the season. But good news for the 49ers, they did sign Tony Jefferson, who has had injury troubles in the past, but when healthy, is a very good box safety and is very prototypical for what you want in that position. And then last thing here, Devondre Campbell is expected to sign with the Packers, started all 16 games for the Cardinals, and had 99 tackles. So it should be solid for a team that was really lacking at the middle linebacker spot last season. Yeah. Wow. I like that move. It's a solid signing. Yeah, man. Um, all right. Before we get into it, let's get some new blood on the podcast. Let's this go. week. Who's who's sponsoring this? I, I haven't heard anything about. Oh, for, oh, duh, we talked about it earlier. For Team's Cafe. Yeah, for Team's Team Cafe, Cafe Fantasy Sleepers. Let's get it. <laughs> All right, let's see. I'm not telling anyone who we're calling. You know who we're calling, but yep. I'm not telling anyone who we're calling until they answer. Yep. Get the phone ring. Uh, while that's going quick updates oh, oh straight to voicemail all right we'll give a we'll get a backup going here all right let's get maybe call again because sometimes it just automatically oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah facts 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 give, facts, facts. Them, give that give, person a, give one it one more, more ring and then if it let's see okay it's ringing it's ringing, it's ringing. there we go hey hey are you busy um no all okay. right we're jordan and i are on the podcast we're live um we need your top two fantasy running backs, your top fantasy wide receiver, and your top fantasy tight end for the 2021 season. 
my top two fantasy running backs yep. would have to be Derrick Henry. Okay. And Christian McCaffrey. Okay. All okay. Right. So CMC and Derrick Henry. Jordan likes it. Nothing, All right. Safe picks, but yep. I love it. Uh, wide receiver. Um. As an Atlanta fan, now that Julio's gone, oh. I'm going to say Calvin, Calvin Ridley. Okay. Yep. George, projected George. number one in receptions, number one in yards. Okay. Or I, not number one in receptions, sorry. He's number one in yards. Number one in yards. Okay. All right. Yeah, he's now leading George. all analytics to end. lead the league in receiving yards. All right. Hold, hold on one second. Okay. Go, go ahead. Tight end. Um, that's a tough one. I don't know. I don't even remember who was number – Top five from last year. Kelsey. I'm going to go with Kelsey. Kelsey. I'm going to go with okay. Kelsey. That's fair. That's fair. Mahomes has a new offensive line. True. That's going to protect him. Kelsey's going to be running more than he's going to be blocking. All right. I like it. And we didn't even give you a formal introduction. This is our stats guy, Ryan. He's a big numbers guy, so he's the stats guy for the podcast. Love it. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. See you later. Bye. Bye. I Shout just realized he can't – he can't, he can't hear, hear me you. from he my can't side. Hear you. Uh, so shout out to the stats guy, Ryan, uh, podcast stats guy. He's got Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey as his running backs, Calvin Ridley at, tight, uh, at wide receiver, and then Travis Kelsey at tight end. So yeah, that's um, a no-brainer. I like that. Um, we'll like I said, we'll get these going. Well, I think I think we should do this till till August maybe, and we'll get a nice graphic yeah. ready to go for the yeah. season, and uh, you know maybe we'll even live stream our, our fantasy league draft. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? We'll There's see what a lot, happens. Lot um, let's see. So we for our fantasy uh, rankings this week, we're just going in. We're just going sleepers uh, at each position. Mm-hmm. So we got quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and then flex, which looks like we both have just a second running back. So, um, yeah. Jordan, you want to kick it off with? Uh, let's just go down the list. Let's go quarterback. Danny Dimes for the New York Giants. They killed it this offseason, getting him talent, getting him guys around him. He's in a make-or-break year part of his contract. This this next offseason, they're going to decide, do they want to extend him? Do they want to pick up his fifth-year option? Or are they going to decline it, and then he'll be a free agent for the following offseason? In response, they go get Kenny Galladay in free agency. They draft Kadarius Toney. Also got John, uh, John Ross. They still have Sterling Shepard and Darius Slade in that wide receiver core also, and Evan Ingram. So you have six guys who could be real good pass catchers for him, not to mention Saquon Barkley out of the backfield. Yes, the O-line still has some issues, but Nate Solder is coming back from uh, taking a year off from COVID. Andrew Thomas, I think, is going to be better in his second year. Still struggled a little bit towards the end of the season, but could still be a serviceable offensive tackle in this league. Interior is fine with Will Hernandez. So they have three solid offensive linemen. I think this offense is going to do great thing. This defense looks really good coming into the season as well, especially with Aziz Ojulari. I love that pickup, as we've talked about multiple times on this podcast. Also got a Dory Jackson in free agency, so the secondary is doing much better. This is, man, Daniel Jones, for a make-or-break year, he's in the best situation any make-or-break quarterback could be in right now. So I hope it works out for him. I hope he does so well for the Giants. And for those reasons, he's my sleeper this year. Gotcha. I like that. Spot. I like that. I think that's a lot of people's sleepers pick. Sleeper pick. Probably going to be able to get him as your second quarterback later in rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, can run, so definitely can get you fantasy points that way. Um, for my guy, mine's definitely a heavy sleeper, and it depends if he starts the season. But I got Jameis Winston. 
Mm. I think he's going to do really great things if given the opportunity in New Orleans, just not even fantasy-wise. I think it was in 2019 he finished with about 300 or so points. So I think yep. he's going to be a huge addition uh, if the if the Saints want to start him. Uh, and I think he's going to put the turn, turnover numbers down. I, there's no way I think he throws 30 interceptions again if he starts a full 16, 17 games. I think he's going to be a, a clutch player for them. I think it's going to go really well this year if he does get the opportunity to start in New Orleans. Um, with Sean Payton's offense, I mean, we saw Breeze put up record numbers. I think it's going to be the same thing if you get Jamison there. He's got a great arm. If he gets the turnovers down, that's going to just, like, you know, save. If he throws less, 10 less interceptions than he did in, you know, 2019, that's 20 more extra points that uh, Jameis has in fantasy. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a risk. I would not take him as your top quarterback, even if he is starting. But I think he would be a sleeper. I think he'd be a great, you know, late-round pickup, good backup to have especially in a 12-team league. I think it's solid to have as many backups as possible as that, in especially those kind of leagues, because they're definitely deep. Yeah, I'm just curious what they're going to do receiving-wise, just because Michael Thomas had an off year with injuries. Mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara could have been a wide receiver one yeah. this year with how well he did. Um, and they didn't really solve like their other solutions about who they're going to put on the opposite side of Michael Thomas. So... Saints offense, I don't think is going to be as great as it normally is. If Taysom Hill is the backup, he's obviously going to get a lot of playing time. It could be that third option for that offense receiving wise. But overall, I mean, just I like I love the Jameis pick. I think it's a great pick, especially because he's not in as loaded of an offense as he was when he was with the Buccaneers. But at the same time, he's going to have to be smarter with his decision-making in order to yeah. make that happen. No, absolutely. And I think he will. I think Sean Payton is the quarterback whisperer. He's an offensive-minded coach. And Drew Brees, obviously, is very smart. Um, I've been around for a while, but we saw what he did once he got to New Orleans. And it was definitely um, something that we'd never seen before. And with Jameis's LASIK and his cannon of an arm, I think mm-hmm. it could be a good fit this year. Could be. We'll see. Who do you got at running back? Running back, I got Damian Harris of the Patriots. Yep. I know Love we're it. all weary on Patriots running backs. I don't know if this is some inside scoop or me just predicting things, but I have a feeling Sony Michelle might not make the roster. Mm. So that kind of leaves. I know we got Stevenson in the draft, James White's back, but we lost Burkhead. JJ Taylor's kind of an interesting player. Damian Harris is the primary running back. I think he did, he didn't, you know, I think he caught five passes last year, which wasn't a ton, but I think they're going to try to work him more in the pass game. I know that was something they were working with on Sony Michelle before he got injured. So I think they're going to try to get him involved more in the pass game. So for PPR leagues, I think that will be solid. And I think he is going to be the Patriots goal line running back. So he's going to get a lot of touches. I mean, even in 10 games last year, still ran for 691 yards. I think he's definitely a thousand yard rusher. I think in a, in a 17 game season, he could be close to 1200. Um, mm-hmm. especially with the offense they have. Hunter Henry's a good blocking tight end. John who's a good blocking tight end. So, um, and Cam Newton, we all know, isn't the best deep ball thrower. So he might come in clutch with a lot of short passes and a lot of dump routes. So I know we're I all always weary of Patriots running backs, but I think Damian Harris, I think ESPN has him like 36th a lot. I think Yahoo has him like 39th. So um, I just think like this is sleepers. I think he could be a really good sleeper pick. Yeah, I agree. I think – and especially he was one of PFF's top rated running backs when he was yeah. playing and one was healthy. Like he is so efficient with what he can do through the air and on the ground. He's just a, he's a prototypical running back for today's NFL. Absolutely. Absolutely. Who, who you got? I like, I like your pick. Who you got to run? Yeah. Back? Antonio Gibson, man. He was awesome. Second half of the season. I don't think enough people are talking about him. I believe he's number 12 on ESPN. He could easily be a top eight 
running back. So I think sleeper wise, just because everyone's putting a lot of other really good running backs ahead of him, I think he's that guy that can't come in, especially with that offensive line and how they've reworked it with Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm. So now they'll have some consistency QB. They bring in Curtis Samuel to help out that receiving core like this. Antonio Gibson, like for the weapons around him, I think he can do really well through the air and on the ground. Um, That's what, Obviously, that's what you want in fantasy. You don't want a guy that just does it all on the ground, except unless it's Derrick Henry, of course. But I don't know. Antonio Gibson, something feels right about him. He saved me in my fantasy league uh, in the championships in one of mine. Yeah. So I traded Austin Eckler for him and Jonathan Taylor, I think, when they were both getting less than 10 carries per game. And that was right before Eckler got hurt. So that was like galaxy brain move by me. To go and get Antonio Gibson there, and he definitely helped me get a big win um, late in the season. So, yeah, that's uh, yeah, man, he, he's gonna be a really good running back this year. I wouldn't be shocked if he finishes top 10. Yeah, and last year, I mean, in one of our leagues, I had the choice between Swift, DeAndre Swift, and Gibson, and I went Swift. Definitely paid off towards the end of the year, but at that point, yeah. I had already traded DeAndre Swift. Um, I still got a pretty decent return. I got DJ Moore back for it, so kind of broke even on that one. Solid. But, um, I wish I took Antonio Gibson because he definitely between him, um, I forget who else I had at running back, but James Conner didn't have a great year. I did have Derrick Henry, no. so that would have been a solid, um, you know, running back tandem with Gibson and uh, Derrick Henry. Um, let's see, receiver. I for receiver got Robert Woods. Yep, I, I think like with Matt Stafford there, I know Cooper Cup's gonna get a lot of love. I know he's the number one guy. Granted, he has had some injury troubles, and not that Robert Woods has been super, super healthy, but he's been very consistent. He's played – actually, I shouldn't even say that because the last three years he's played – he's only missed one game. Um, and across those three years, 90 receptions both in 2020 and 2019, 86 in 2018. He's got a better quarterback throwing to him this time around and Matt mm-hmm. Stafford. Um, he's a factor in the running game. He gets handoffs. He scored rushing touchdowns before. Um, and last year he did have six touchdowns, 936 yards. So was a little bit under the thousand yard uh, thresh mark that he was the two seasons before. But I just think, you know, in a PPR league, he has a better quarterback throwing to him. A lot of people are going to expect a lot from Cam Akers. I mean, I said he was going to be offensive player of the year last week or two yep. weeks ago. Um, and a lot of people are going to be picking Cooper Cup. But I still think Robert Woods, he's going to be right in the middle of those fantasy drafts. And if he's there, I think you take him. Yeah, I, Robert Woods is going to have a very good – he's in for a career year. You know, can, he's been that. he's been borderline top 15 receiver, top 20 for the past couple of seasons. Now I think he takes it up a level with Matt Stafford there. Absolutely. I, I 100% agree. And like I said, he's a factor in the running game too. Not that he's going to get 10 carries a game, but a handoff here, a handoff there, you know, get you in the end zone or um, tendencies, he's, man. he's a screen guy too. So, I mean, he, he's, and he I is think, sneaky fast. He is. He is he very is. explosive. He is, especially Stafford, too. I mean, he's more accurate than Goff is. I think he has a better arm than Goff does. So, mm-hmm. 100%. Um, you know, Cup's a great deep ball receiver, but you're going to see Woods get at it in on the action on that, too. Yeah, man. Yeah. Who you got at uh, at wide receiver? Let's go LaVisca Chanel. He's a running back. No, boo. He's, he's one of the running six back. running backs that the Jags have. <laughs> Him, Tebow, no, Robinson. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> totally. <laughs> no, nah, man. I just think like DJ Chark, who has been underwhelming to start his career, especially with all the speed he brings and the type of hands he has. You know, I think DJ Chark is definitely going to be the number one receiver to start the season. But if you look at LaVisca Sinault and what he did at the end of last year and consistently throughout the season, 
not enough people are talking about this guy. And yes, Marvin Jones is there and he's the most consistent receiver in the NFL by far besides Devontae Adams. But I don't know, man. Chenault's something about it. Just he's someone who could go in the slot, could be isolated, could be paired up with another good receiver. He could go up and get it. Very good in the crossing route section. Like this is a guy I think with Trevor Lawrence at the helm could take off, easily get over a thousand yards, could get 80 plus receptions. And I'm gonna call right now. He's scoring 11 touchdowns. 11. He, he's gonna he's gonna have the most touchdown receptions on the Jags this upcoming. You're saying reset all receptions because I know he was kind of like kind of like Woods, someone you could hand off yeah. to. Curtis Samuel, guy like that. You don't think any rushing touchdowns? All he receiving? might get one or two, but I'm 11 receiving touchdowns. He'll lead the Jags in receiving touchdowns. I'm wow. not gonna put a rushing number on it, but yeah, okay. he'll really he'll lead all Jags receivers with touchdowns. I think he's that good. Okay. But, all right. Yeah, let's. Let's flip it over to the bigger yeah. boys. Let's look at some tight ends. I have Tyler Higby now that Gerald Everett is out of yep. LA and he's in Seattle now. I think this gives him much more pass catching opportunities. Um, I think he's a very big target and he's a very good run blocker as well. So I think that will help him in the play action game, um, be able to mash some defenders inside and then hit a seam over the top or on a corner or whatever. So I think, and again, with Matt Stafford there, that's a game changer than what Jared Goff did. Yeah. And we know Matt Stafford loves his tight ends. Um, I know when Eric Ebron was at the Lions, he wasn't the best, but he made Pr Brandon Pettigrew into a solid name during the beginning of his career. Uh, then he got TJ Hawkinson towards the end of the time, end of his time with the Lions. So if he's got a good tight end, he's going to make it work. And Tyler Higby is definitely up there in the top 10 tight end conversation. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I mean, kind of the whole thing with Stafford, like I was saying, he made those two guys, uh, Pettigrew, and I always mess up. It's it's Hawkinson, right? Hawkinson, yes. Hawkinson, yeah. So, I mean, he made those two guys, you know, really good fantasy tight ends, top 10 fantasy tight end guys. Um, so I, I really like that pick of Higby. I think I actually had him on one of my teams last year too, and I had to pick yeah. up Everett because he was hurt for a game or something like that. Yeah. Um, my sleeper and this guy i've been big on this guy for like two years i stole him from you in our uh dynasty draft last year uh i got irv smith jr of the minnesota vikings uh kyle rudolph's gone so he's gonna be i think the number one tight end hasn't put up crazy numbers i was expecting last year to be his breakout year mm -hmm. and didn't really go that way i mean he had a really good end of the season his last four games he had four catches three catches six catches and two catches he did have a two touchdown game against the saints in that alvin Kamara six touchdown game um so definitely fantasy wise i think he's going to put up great numbers it's a big year for yep. Kirk cousins i mean obviously we know what jefferson can do he's one of the best receivers Thielen's always really good but he's had some injury troubles um so i think smith's going to be the number one target we saw how big of a red zone threat that kyle rudolph was for the Vikings. So I think Irv Smith mm -hmm. is going to take that over. He's in his third year. I think it's going to be a big breakout year for him. And honestly, I think, I think ESPN has him in like close in that top, like 11, 12 range. So I think Not he's a good shot. guy if you're exactly. And I think he's a guy, if you're, you know, focusing on running backs and receivers early, like you should be doing. Um, this is a guy I think that you can get in later rounds, probably in a lot of drafts. Yeah. I know I'm keeping him in my dynasty league just, you know, for that purpose. Um, but you know, in a, in a standard league, I think it's someone you probably want to look at, you know, eighth, ninth, 10th round. And I think he's going to, I think kind of what you were saying with Chanel, I think he, if Jefferson wasn't on the Vikings and Thielen who are both touchdown animals, I would say maybe he would lead the Vikings. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but yeah. I could see him scoring eight or nine touchdowns this year. 
Yeah, Jefferson's going to be the deep ball threat and get you vertically down the field. Thielen's going to be the red zone threat. And Irv Smith, when they're both covered, he's going to be the guy you yeah. go to. So, and because of that, he'll get like 50, 60 catches this yeah, next season. Yeah, I, I think he's going to have a really solid year. I really do. I thought it last year. He probably would have been my sleeper pick last year. And like I said, he broke out kind of towards the end of the year, but they were also had Kyle Rudolph there. This is his year now. Yes, I agree. Awesome. So, um, Flex, flex position, running back too. <laughs> yeah, fantasy people, like, if, if your flex is not your third running back, what the fuck are you doing? Like, unless it's a bye week. Or or unless you have what I had, DK Metcalf, Stephon Diggs, and DeAndre Hopkins True. in the league I won. True. So I don't know how I ended up with that. Or you whatever. have, like, DJ Moore, Adam Thielen, and Devontae Adams. Yeah, that too. So That's facts. Unless you have three top ten receivers, your flex should be a running back. No yeah. question. Facts um flex you kick it off i like yours yeah mike davis being the sole guy out there i mean cordell patterson's there but mike davis we saw what he could do out of the backfield we know he's a good pass catcher we know he can run through defenders i think in this new falcons offense where calvin ridley is going to be the lead guy and you have kyle pitts that you could put wherever and hayden hurst is still there a lot of people are sleeping on mike davis and i think he could be a really 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 solid um flex option for a lot of people out there looking for that flex guy that third running back that fourth running back that they want to rotate so i think it's a great pick i actually kept him in our dynasty league because i had him last year because i had cmc and then i was able to pick Mm -hmm. up davis just given the injuries um and i actually i think i'm going to keep him um in that league just because he's the number one running back in atlanta right now Gurley's gone uh you know ish smith isn't there anymore so or Edo Smith, whatever his name is. I don't even Edo Smith, I can't yeah, remember yeah. who was there last year. I picked up one of their running backs at one point because I had like nine injuries in COVID. So, um, yeah. but I like that pick. I got, uh, you'll like this one. I got Chase Edmonds, my flex. Chase Edmonds, I love uh, it. I probably could have had him at running back and just flipped him and Damian Harris, but he's going to be mm-hmm. great. Kenyon Drake's gone. He's a PPR machine. I think he's going to have mm-hmm. a, a breakout year. He catches more passes than Kenyon Drake did. And I'm surprised he's not ranked higher in a lot of. It's because James Conner's there and we don't know True. who's going to be the lead guy. Well, I think Chase Edmonds is, I think it's crazy if he's not the lead guy. I know James Conner can too. catch passes, but he didn't really do that much in Pittsburgh and they're a throw first offense. Um, Given the injury trouble of James Conner, I think it's a safe mm-hmm. pick to, to pick up Edmonds. I don't want to say in an early round, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. We also don't know the nature of the season, but I think he's just going to have a great year. He's going to be a big factor in the pass-catching game for Kyler Murray in that squad. 100%. So, PPR, he's going to be a PPR machine. Yep. I would yep. not be shocked if he ends up going, like, fourth, fifth round for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could see that. Definitely in, like, that, you know, 60 to 80 range or 50 to mm-hmm. 70 range, somewhere in there, for sure. Yeah, man um cool well anything else in in the nfl before we kick it over to some late hits and trivia no nah, man i think we're all set to go and right. I, I said it earlier i will say it again julio jones is wearing number two yep yep uh, a lot of twos derrick henry's 22 he's two um and they'll be second in the division so it works out perfectly yeah man um, let's see nhl playoffs for late hits uh montreal Canadiens last night became the first team sweeping the winnipeg jets to advance to uh, the NHL semifinals, they'll play the winner mm-hmm. of the Avalanche Golden Knight series, which is tied at two right now. Avalanche yep. are, I think, the favorites in the NHL right now um, to take home the cup. So that's a big series there. Big game five tonight um, over in Colorado. Uh, fun fact about Montreal is they were the worst team or least amount of points to make the playoffs. And now they are in the semifinals. Uh, Bruins, uh, back-to-back tough 
bad losses down 3-2 to the Islanders right now. I am mm-hmm. pretty pissed off. Uh, Bruins do this to me every year. They have a promising start or a promising run in the playoffs. They win a series. They get they get they look good, and then second round they just can't figure it out. Other than that one year they had the cup run. I am predicting it now. The Bruins do win Game Six in or on Long Island, but mm. I think they lose Game Seven at home because this reminds me exactly of that Blue series from a couple of years ago. And then Tampa Bay Lightning up three one in their series. Winner of the Islanders Bruins series plays the winner of the Lightning. Carolina Hurricane series, which I think the Lightning are going to take tonight. They're up 3-1 in that series with Game 5 tonight. Yeah. Um, MLB look ahead. Uh, this week, we already kicked off. Padres Cubs kicked off last night. <coughs> bless you. God Excuse bless. Me. Sorry. Um, Padres versus Cubs tonight. <laughs> um, or they played. They started a series last night. And then we got Brewers versus Reds, some of the best pitching in the league versus some of the best hitting in the league this week. And then some pretty big weekend series. We got Cardinals Cubs. They're the Sunday night baseball matchup this week. Uh, Padres Mets, which I'm really excited about. Some great pitchers on both sides between Taiwan Walker, Jake. I don't know if we're going to get DeGrom in that series. I I don't think so. We do. Yeah, I don't know if we will. Um, And then obviously the Padres pitching between Darvish and Snell have been great. And then Red Sox Blue Jays, I think, is going to be a fun series this week. They had, um, they or this weekend, they battled it out back in, in Dunedin, Florida, uh, a couple weeks back now. So had some back mm-hmm. and forth games there. So I think that's going to be an exciting series um, over at Fenway Park. Uh, and then Mike Conley will be out for game one tonight, or I guess last night, if you're listening in the morning. Um, yeah. So he's out for game one um, against the Clippers. So uh, be a storyline there with the Jazz's injuries. Um, you got any late hits? Yeah, man. Nick Saban signs a huge extension. Yeah. He's going to coach into the 2028 season where he will be 77 years old. Damn. Which is just stupid to think about God, that I... he's been coaching for that long. Yeah. Oh, crap. Damn. Crazy. Also, but, uh, I don't think we wrote this that down. That just coach... shows. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. My first. Bad. No, go ahead. That, that just shows when you're the best college coach, you can coach still whenever. So. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and then I don't know. My week's trying to blend together. Coach K's retiring too. Yeah. We didn't talk uh, about I that last we week. talked about that last Did we? week. Did we? Did he announce that? I thought he announced it right after the Celtics thing. And we didn't talk about the Celtics last week because they were yes, still playing yes, on yes, Tuesday. Yes, yes. I think we it was did, the day after on Wednesday. We haven't talked about that yet. Yeah. So uh, yeah. probably the did other. Did we talk about Thibodeau winning coach of the year? We did. Oh, we NBA? mentioned it earlier. Did we talked yeah. about that? We mentioned it earlier because we, we talked did. about okay, uh, okay. Nate McMillan and coaches. Yes, that's right. That's right. And then Jokic MVP, obviously. Um, you got any trivia? I got two. Yes, I do have trivia. You kick off trivia then. Okay. If you have two, I have All one. right. All right. All right. Let's see. Where is my question? Here? Okay. I got some NBA playoff trivia and NBA MVP trivia. What do you want first? Mm. Let's go in MVP. MVP. Okay. So, Nikola Jokic became the first Denver Nugget to ever win an MVP award. Which of the following teams have had a player never win the MVP award? Was it okay. the Portland Trailblazers, Los Angeles Clippers, Minnesota Timberwolves, or Brooklyn Nets? Oh, Brooklyn Nets. Are we counting them New Jersey also? Like, yes. Or so, like, so like the Clippers too, the Buffalo Braves count from the 70s. Got it. Okay. I'll go Trailblazers. 
You're on Trailblazers. You shouldn't have changed your mind because it was the Nets. It was the Nets. The Nets have never had an MVP. Uh, Clippers had one. They had Bob McAdoo, Bill Walton for the Trailblazers, and then Kevin Garnett for the Timberwolves. Bill Walton. Um, I think eight teams have had one winner. Mavericks had Nowitzki in 07. We went over Garnett, Walton, McAdoo. Willis Reed was the only MVP ever for the Knicks in 1970. Wes Unseld for the Wizards slash Bullets. And then Oscar Robertson. Patrick Ewing never won an MVP? No. And then Oscar Robertson for the Kings slash Royals in 1964 um, for their franchise. A few teams, zero. Raptors, Magic, Pelicans, Grizzlies, Pacers, Pistons, Hornets, Nets. Isaiah Thomas wow. never won an MVP. I thought he could have one year, but I guess he didn't. That's what I thought too. Um, probably yeah. finals MVP when, when they won those finals. Um, what do you got for trivia? I think he did. All right. A pretty simple NFL trivia. Okay. Who has the most receiving yards in a game? Is Julio. it? No, give me the answers. Or was it Julio? A, Calvin Johnson. B, Stephon Page. C, Flipper Anderson or D Jim Benton. Oh, okay. Then it was uh who was A again? Megatron. Uh Cal- Calvin Megatron. Johnson. Megatron. Megatron is second with 329 receiving yards in a game. Flipper Anderson had the most with 336. When was game. that? That was I want to see the 70s. Record game. Let's see. Oh, 1989 against the Saints. Oh, I was going to say that sounds like a name from like the Cannonball Titcomb days. Yeah, he accumulated 40 of those yards in overtime. Oh, cheated. Crazy. Um. All right, let's see. I got my playoff trivia. Who is the only NBA team to be swept in the playoffs in both the East and the West Conference? Ooh. That was it. The Utah Jazz. The Detroit Pistons, the New Orleans Pelicans, or the Milwaukee Bucks? New Orleans Pelicans. Nope, it was the Pistons. The Pistons? They got swept in a two out of three series in the 1959-1960 Western Division semifinals. Wow. They played in the West. It's funny. So I was looking at their index. Um, They played in the West for a while, went to the East, went back to the West for a little bit of time, and then we're back to the East. Yeah, because I figured it would have been the Pelicans from moving from Charlotte to yeah. New Orleans and back to Charlotte, like yeah, and then back to New well, Orleans again. The new the new Hornets, the team that's the Hornets now, they are the still Bobcats. the Bobcats. So they actually yeah, have only been in existence since 03. Um yeah. the Pelicans now were the Hornets that were in Charlotte. So that's the same franchise. So it's a new franchise yeah. now, just the same name. So it's very confusing. It's a very confusing process. Yeah, sounds like it. Um cool. Anything else you got before? We kick off or end episode 27? Nah, man. I'm all set. I'm excited for what the NBA is going to give us this week. MLB is ramping up. We'll definitely go over all-star stuff. Yes. And it looks like the NFL is going to start to ramp up a little bit. We're less, almost 90 days out now. OTAs. Well, we're going to end these podcasts now by saying go Suns because it's sun season. We'll get Rod on the pod later. So enjoy baseball. Enjoy NFL offseason. Enjoy these great NBA playoffs. And go Suns.